Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. My guest today is former Army Staff Sergeant, owner of Zenith Authentic Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and co-host of From the Ashes podcast, Seth Rodenbaugh. Seth was born in Nebraska and moved to Colorado when he was 12, and eventually attended East High School in Denver. He had an interest in the military, but it wasn't until the attacks on 9-11 that he joined. He swore into the Army on September 12th, 2001. Seth attended basic and AIT at Fort Benning, Georgia as an 11 Bravo Infantry. His first assignment was to 235 Infantry at Schofield Barracks, Hawaii, where he was later assigned to the Scout Sniper Section. In 2003, he went back to Fort Benning to attend Sniper School. After completing Sniper and Airborne Schools, he deployed to Kandahar, Afghanistan in 2004. During that deployment, he was assigned to a counter-IED sniper task force. After returning to Schofield, he re-enlisted and was assigned to the 127 Infantry Wolfhounds. Seth left the military as a staff sergeant in 2009. Now this concludes your pre-brief, so let's get on with the interview. Staff Sergeant Seth Rodenbaugh, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to get your story the second time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is what you got when you deal with an amateur podcaster. You get, uh, you know what it, it, I, like I told you, it happened to us on, uh, our, from the ashes show just like a month ago and it was frustrating. <laughs> so I, I understand things happen. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. You grew up in Nebraska, right? I did Uh small, small farm town, uh, in Nebraska, uh, I lived there until I was about 12. Um, and then I went from small town, Nebraska to East Colfax, Denver. <laughs> you attended East High School or the East Eagles? Is that what they were? Uh, Angels. Angels? Really? Angels. <laughs> no, right? <laughs> the East uh, Angels. Where did the military come out? What were you planning on doing uh, out of high school? Yeah, so um, I didn't have an exact plan coming out of high school. Um, I, I started working really young and always had like a decent job. I never, oh, yeah, I never yeah. had a minimum wage fast food job. I always had like a, a pretty good job. Um, and then, um, you know, one side of my family is like entire, entirely military, basically. I don't, and I mean, I think 100%, I can't think of a male inside that side of my immediate that didn't serve um you know we got world war ii we got a wow um, yeah vietnam ranger um Damn. you know just, we got a few we got a uh, a female pilot uh we have a couple really high-ranking wow. officers so i mean it was like kind of already in in my blood and i i thought about it a lot and i was investigating you know where do i want to go what do i want to do 
And then I started really like looking at the uniforms and I was like, oh, man, yeah. there's no way I'm eliminating the Navy right now. I ain't wearing that. There's just no, <laughs> way. none of that, none of it. I'm out. Um, and then I, I, I contemplated doing uh security forces for the air force. Yeah. Um, and then, um, well, it just didn't really didn't really grab me. And I, I ended up going to the army. Um, Did any recruiters know. come and talk to you at the, oh, I was, like the I high was, school or anything? Not at high school, uh, but I um, uh, I had contacted lots of recruiters post post oh, high school. Okay. okay. Yeah, and then uh, um, did a lot of investigation and all fun stuff. And then the attacks happened on September 11th, and because I'd already been in talks with recruiters, it was really easy for me to be. Uh, yeah. Literally at MEPS September twelfth. So Jeez, the day that's... after the attacks, I was, I was like, all right, <laughs> now let's go. So where 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 were you when they were happening? Uh, sitting on my couch, oh, or, okay. uh, like literally, like I don't remember if I worked late that day or what, but I was sitting there watching it as all of a sudden, like the yeah yeah headline news, you know, was going right. right. And they broke into everything, man. Oh, it did. It was it was just craziness. But, so. You went over to MEPS uh, 2001, September 12th is when you signed up. Yep. Is that when you swore? Is that when you swore in or no? I, I did the fake swear in. Oh, the you know? fake swear in. I love how they do that. Like this whole, like the whole system of recruiting and in processing is so funny. They're like you're sworn in now. If you don't, if you don't come back, you're a wall, and they'll come hunt you down. Which I know. Is I know. Totally not the truth, but whatever. I, I probably the same damn thing. Um, so yeah, my my official entry date was like October second or third, something like that. Okay. Um, so did you go in knowing what job you wanted? I mean, did you take have uh, you yeah. taken the ASVAB and all that stuff by this oh, time? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So yep. you knew going in, you were like infantry all the way. Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, I did the the uh, the known contract or whatever, where like I knew everything. So yeah. I had yeah. duty station done. You know MOS, all that fun stuff. Uh, so yeah, went went to Benning, uh, went to OSUT, uh, one station unit training where we, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not basic and AIT. It's just fucking infantry school. When do uh, they? When do they decide if you're going to go uh, like light or mech? Um, I believe is there a decision point for that, or do they just like okay, you made it through, we're sticking you with mechanized or something yeah. um well i think a lot of that has to do with like your duty station like i went to a light i mean i was assigned to yeah. a light division so i i was i was going to be 11 bravo 11 charlie one or the other uh you know either infantry or infantry mortar so um but i came out with a regular just 11 bravo identifier okay was it it was it the mic was that the mechanized one it used to be a long time ago i literally i'm going to I'm going to age myself a little bit because I don't really remember. And I know so little about mechanized. I'll tell you the truth. I don't know. I've never, yeah. I've never even worked with a mech unit. Yeah. So while you're at uh, OSA and Ben or Benning, it's now Fort Moore now, you know? Um, yeah. While you're there, did you go to jump school? No, I didn't. Uh, when I went, I, I, I just did my OSA and then okay. uh, straight to my unit. So, um, so you went to your first assignment was out of Schofield. Out of Schofield, two, two three, actually, five um, infantry, right? Yeah, I was. My original contract was to Fort Drum, and uh, like I had a you know high school girlfriend. Basically, I lived with, and I called her, and I was like, you know, I was at Meps, and they're like all these other things that opened up. 
And, um, you know, yeah. she knew I was, I was on contract to go to New York. And I was like, man, I got all these other things. And she's like, what is there? And I'm like, oh, and I listen to them all off. And she's like, there's Hawaii. And all of a sudden it was a, a much, much more yeah. serious thing. I think that was, <laughs> um, she had beach beaches in her eyes. And, um, so, uh, I, I switched to Hawaii, went to Hawaii. Um, um, we did, uh, you know, one of those paper up weddings, yeah, uh, sure, sure. She can be a dependent in between basic and showing up my unit. I was going to say, you took her with you. Yep, took her with me. Did you uh, leave with her? Out. What's that? Did you leave with her? Oh, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an army guy. We got a divorce or five. <laughs> not a good soldier if you don't got a, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's It's on the checklist. So It's on the checklist, right? Um so no, I uh, I went to my 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 unit uh, and like the coolest like luckiest thing I think in my career was when I signed up or when I showed up to my unit they had just started posting around that they were going to run a selection for the sniper unit and oh nice uh, nice and they had a handful of requirements not a ton but it was like you know your GT score had to be um, whatever it was to be there and I I don't know how okay I'm not a book smart man it is yeah. not my way of life. Somehow I have a freaky high GT score, like the highest I've ever. Really? I think I've, I've never ran into somebody with a higher one. I have a crazy high GT score. So check that box. And then it's like, <laughs> you got to max your PT test. And I'm like, sure. I've never maxed a PT test. And then. Uh, um, well, that run you know, is pretty damn fast. That's, I mean, to that? max it, that's a, that's a pretty fast max time to run it. Oh, I, um, I don't, I didn't just, so max time for like young men is like 13. I run like sub 11. So, oh, I'm, so it wasn't that that was problem. No, I, um, um, I love to run. I used to distance run a lot. Can't anymore. Oh, okay. But yeah. I, I loved running. Um, so yeah, I went to, went to selection, made it fairly easily and was in the scout sniper section for my unit. And spent a, a good chunk of my time there. I was I was moving into being an E five before I ever moved out of that unit or out of that uh, platoon and section. So damn. Um, so wait, yeah. you go you got there what two thousand two? You get out there, right? I uh, yeah, very beginning of two thousand two. So how long before you got selected to go to sniper school, or or did you just get assigned to the scout sniper platoon? I just got assigned to the, the section. Um, and then because there are so few slots, uh, oh, for sure. actual, actual sniper school where you go to the sniper school, sh- like schoolhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I will get into that at, at some point because somehow that subject came up, uh, and I wanted to touch on that, but, um, Good. there's so few slots for the entire army that, I mean, 25th ain't getting a bunch of them, you know? So yeah. I actually had all my bags packed, my packing was done. I had my orders, had my flights and everything to go to ranger school. Oh. And my platoon sergeant calls me. He goes, Hey, I know you're supposed to leave. I think we had like a four day weekend. So I was like enjoying my weekend before I headed out to, you know, the suck fest or ranger school. <laughs> he calls me up. He's like, Hey, we got two slots to sniper school in a week uh, to take on. Do you want to, like you can always go to ranger school, unlimited slots. You can go whenever you want. Yeah. yeah. Or you want to take this this slot that we don't ever get for sniper school. I'm like, fuck, that's an easy decision. We're sure. sending me my new packing list. And so, you know, swapped out the packing list for sniper school pack packing list. Um, I had two or three different ghillies. Um, you know, you, oh, because you being in the scout uh platoon. Yeah. Uh you but I needed had a, them made. Yeah, I needed a schoolhouse one. Uh, the schoolhouse is a little bit more particular about, you know, 
how to do certain things. I make them how I want to make them. Oh, schoolhouse, yeah. exactly like the schoolhouse. So I was lucky enough. One of my mentors inside that section had just left being an instructor, uh, part of the cadre down down at the schoolhouse. So oh, we nice. made a very very a really nice like check the box. You're like the perfect ghillie. Yeah. You know, you show up and. And they're laying out all the gillies and they're like gigging people for everything. They come look at mine. They're like, um, <laughs> you're going to need to add a lot of natural veg to that. And I'm like, yeah, it's what you do before you start your op. I know. And they're like, uh, that's pretty much it. You know, and I'm like, the really? whole time I was just groomed very well for going to, going to the school. So it wasn't like a kid at the, at school where it was like, who helped you with this? Right. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a little bit of that. So, um, I, I was I was pretty lucky. Um, in that so 03, you're back to uh, is it Benning? Benning is where the yeah, so 03 back to Benning uh, for school, and um, I definitely think that was one of the the highlights of my career. Like sniper sure. school sucks. Okay, for those of you that or for those soldiers that actually went to sniper school, they didn't do a remote school. So uh-huh. one of the other things the army does is they'll take a couple of the instructors. They'll go to a division. Uh, they'll grab a couple of Bravo Four guys uh, to help assist the cadre, and they'll run a gentleman's course, which is basically a nine to five Monday through Friday. They still mm-hmm. get to Bravo Four ID fire. They did not go to fucking sniper school. That sucks. They got sniper qualified, and there's a very big difference. Um, that yeah, is I'm reading. Course. I'm reading through the six or seven weeks, and it's ridiculous the amount of stuff yeah. they make you do. Holy shit! It's it's rough. Um, it is um very challenging uh to say the least like not only mentally but or not only physically like you're thinking about doing stock lanes and shooting and all this and, and like i went in the middle of summer in georgia in a ghillie oh, suit oh god fire ants snakes spiders yeah. hot as shit, humid crawling around a ghillie suit physically demanding but the other problem is is the mental demanding part when you're that exhausted from the physical part right. like trying to do fucking math i don't do math Right, okay. Right. I'm an infantry guy. <laughs> Math is not my dick. Right. So I'm trying to calculate, you know, windage and slope dope and shooting things. And, you know, uh, it was, it was very challenging, but it was, I think that's what made it like one of the absolute biggest highlights of my career sure. is because I'm like, I went through that shit and 44 dudes showed up to my class. Only eight of us graduated. That's pretty good. I'm surprised so, it was eight. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's a challenge. I mean, well, tell we me about have- that. So, what uh, d- is it broken up into phases? Um, yeah, so you have your shooting phase, even though you shoot the whole time you're there. Yeah. Um, you have your target identification phase, which is um, challenges another one of my weaknesses. I can't draw a stick figure that looks like he's not handicapped, right? Like my, <laughs> I am not an artist. But you know, you draw a picture, and they put five different unnatural items out there, like a. Uh, the cap for for an optic or a magazine or you know a round or something like that, yeah, and you you're, yeah. you're searching this area through binoculars and a scope, and you have to draw the area. And I'm like, I can't even tell what I draw. Uh, yeah, that's something right. else. Then you got to draw the things and identify them and list them. So did that. Did the stalking phase where you crawl up and um, you know shoot a blank round and they try and walk another cadre on top of you and if they find you you're done if they don't find you you have to pull a second round um oh, and then geez. identify yeah identify a card they hold up a card you know 12 6 3 or 9 yeah, uh, yeah. Tom, where you want to see it they'll 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 
you know, hold up the sign. It's a, a number or a letter. You have to identify it. Um, and then you have to take a second shot when they already know where you're at. Yeah. And then they try and walk on top of you again. Uh, definitely a challenging phase. Um, I had done a lot of stocking uh, going into this, which helped me a little bit. And uh, I, um, I made a joke with my hyper buddy that went with me. Uh, one of my absolute best friends in the world um, still is. He even, even post army, he used to, he lives in New York. He moved out to Denver with me for like two years. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. We're buddies. So um, um, either way we went together, but I had done a lot of stocking before. And I, I was joking with him. I was like, I bet you money. I don't fucking crawl once on a stock lane. And he's like, you are not making it through stock lanes without crawling. And I was like, I'll walk. And he's like, you will not. <laughs> I walked every single one of my stocks. Walked up, laid down, took my shot. Really? How were you able to do that? Tree stacking. Tree so stacking? Huh. So if you can stack trees where they're like slightly off, okay? Yeah. As long as you know where you're oh, hiding from, I can stack the trees and walk right up, yeah. sit down, you know, maybe roll over once, but that's it. So I just walk up. Yeah, that's and pretty it, good. Because I always knew like you, your eyes get tired of looking through glass. Right, right right you sit there and look through an optic for a long time your eyes start getting tired so i would walk up and i would be set in way before everybody else and i would lay there until i until the second or third to last person yeah i never want to be last but i damn sure i was first one set in but i ain't pulling that first round when they got fresh eyes um <laughs> right, right right so i'd wait towards the end of the stock do my do my stock and be done and you know huh. not exhausted from falling so um I, I feel good. like one of the things about being a sniper is having being able to look at look at a situation and find the best strategy to oh, yeah. complete the mission in the most lazy way. And, la- and people are like being lazy. I'm like, well, there's another word for laziness. It's called efficiency. Efficiency. Right? I was gonna say, yeah. I'm trying to save my energy. I'm not trying to bust up my gear. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing it the easiest way possible to complete the mission. You know. Yeah. Um, with energy still to go. So yeah, I um got stocks. Uh where'd you learn you know, all so- that from? Did you hunt or no? I really I mean did you learn it I on the streets couple- of Colfax? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I like I said, I had a uh I had a great mentor in uh my sniper oh, section. Okay. okay. It got me a lot for that. And then um, you know, being in Hawaii, uh the Hawaii vegetation and you know junglish atmosphere is not the same as being in the forest in Georgia, right? But it's similar. Where you know I have lots of vegetation, I have lots of yeah, yeah, shrubs and trees and stuff like that. So I knew how to work through that stuff for fairly well. You know, lots of red dirt too. <laughs> oh God, that nasty! It, it's not dirt; it's clay. <laughs> uh right. Yeah, I mean, especially yeah. when you try to dig into that shit. So, oh my God. So what was the most difficult thing you had uh, that gave you the most trouble at sniper school? Um, I think probably, uh, you know, overthinking the math part. Oh, yeah. yeah. You no, know, because I like, I was fearful of math just because I like, it just was not my, my jam. Um, sure. uh, all honesty out there. I have still yet to fit to pass a college algebra class. I had to have my wife <laughs> help me out. I like, and I've taken a bunch of them every single time. I'm like, I'll be cruising the first like week or two. And then yeah. all of a sudden, oh crap, me and math just don't get along. So um, I overthought it a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, everything has to be perfect. And I'm like, yeah, you can just beer math that. So yeah, sure. 
As long uh, as you hit the target, you, who cares what yeah, you're doing? Yeah, as long as you make right? contact. Uh, you shoot a big, big enough round to where you just got to make contact. So, now, I don't, I don't know how old this article was that I was reading, uh, but yeah. a couple of things I had a question on. They have a they have a section where it's uh it's like unknown uh, range, right? There's some there's some yeah. point periods of time. Uh, is that was that difficult or I mean, especially when you got limited shots, right? I mean, yes, when you don't know the so range, when you're doing, windage, and all yeah. that. When you're doing your shooting test, you're you know it's unknown distance of targets. They're just yeah. a, it's just a steel target with a number on it. Wow. So you got an instructor behind you and they're like, shoot target six. That doesn't mean it's 600 meters out. That just means it's target. Right. With right. Six, you know? And uh, so you range it out. You, um, you know, either you're measuring the silhouette, uh, you're looking oh, at the rod. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, you get your, you get your range um, and you get two rounds to hit it. Um, you got your spotter to help you out. So, I mean, there's some challenges to that. Um, again, I, I did, I did okay with ranging. Um, that yeah. wasn't um, that wasn't one of my challenge or a huge challenge. It's always a challenge, but right, that one right, right. like I wasn't like stressing that one. Yeah. Um, and then um, I actually took. Um, I would love to say I was honor grad, and I'd love to say I was top shot because either one of those would be super badass, and I didn't get either one of them. Right. But I took second place in the course, and I took second place in shooting. So yeah, I was that's, a runner. That's all right. Oh, yeah. That means I can shoot pretty damn good. And I know the subject matter pretty damn good. I might not be the best, but I'm close right. and I'm balanced. You know, I don't have a, I, I didn't really have a hole in, in my, in my job where like, I'm like, this is the area I really suck at. Yeah. Um, Plus it's more just, believable when you tell a story. It's like, I was second. And you're like, oh shit, that's really good. But if you come up and you're like, I was top shot. And you're like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right, buddy. You better sure. fucking show me the paperwork. <laughs> I'm a paperwork guy. Don't tell me, don't tell me shit unless you can prove it to me. Right? Uh, they, this article said their final uh, thing, and I can't remember. It was maybe after a road march, and then you got two sh two two rounds to hit this one mm -hmm. target, and that's where they they I guess they lost a, a couple people on that at the very end at the very end of it. Now yeah, that's what the article do, was saying. So I don't know. You do a stress fire, and again, I'm going to date myself a little bit, but it has now been 20 years since I've been there. So, mm -hmm. and I've been hit the head a few times, been blown up a few times. I fell out of a fucking helicopter at one point in my career. So I, um, I've had some booms ahead. So my memory's not always great. But we do, we did do a stress <laughs> fire where you're fucking, you're running in for a good distance. You're getting smoked, you're climbing shit, and then you're taking shots, which yeah, is, that's tough, man. Um, yeah, not shots of tequila, trying to take shots, <laughs> you know, and uh, um, still hit your target. But yeah. uh, you know, that's, that's real life. That's that's what happens when you're in combat. You don't, I, I, right, right. You don't walk up and get into your shooting stand like all these amazing civilian competition guys and like you get there and get all unlimited time to make this perfect shot. It isn't yeah. like you know, so um, um, that was actually fun. I like that stuff. So they uh, they just had a couple maybe last month. They just had the top sniper competition. Yeah, like three guard guys won it. Um, yeah, but they're on the guard shooting team or something like that. So so it was pretty it was pretty cool to watch some of that, especially when they went almost like three gun. I wasn't sure if it was like a three gun competition, but they went into pistols. And they went in, they had M16s at one time, or a, uh, uh, the M4s M at one time. So uh, it wasn't just with the sniper rifles. So that was pretty cool.
Yeah. Um, that's actually, you know, touching on the cool factor of being a, um, being a sniper. Cause there, there's some cool shit in that. I mean, that's what you see in the fucking movies and late yeah. night dramas and, you know, um, and God truly does love his American soldier, but he loves his snipers more. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's a really cool job until you start thinking about some of the aspects of it. They're like, man, did you ever get to shoot that 50 cal? I'm like, yeah, I also had to carry that bitch. Right. Right. And when you carry it, that doesn't mean that's the only rifle you carry. You're still carrying your regular rifle, just like the guy next to you, but you also have this big honking, you know, piece of metal. So there's some, uh, there's, there's some suck factor to the, the coolness, you know, where, um, uh, yeah. And that's reality because you're not, you can't just carry around a bolt action, yeah. rifle combat right. you right. need to be able to protect yourself uh to get to a place to take that shot well, to be so. honest with you most of the sniper profession is a suck yeah i mean really for for a couple trigger pulls but then uh all the time that you gotta wait all the time that you gotta egress and ingress or, or ingress and egress or however that goes that's yeah that sucks you learn some <laughs> patience patience yeah yeah job of a sniper isn't to pull a trigger you know it's the relay battlefield information i won't yeah. get the, the exact wording but it, you know it's to relay battlefield information to the commander etc cetera, etc cetera, which um is another cool thing or uh, uh, thing that helped me out a lot in my career was early on as a private when you're a sniper and the commander is doing like a sand table and they're doing the um op order for the entire unit or brigade yeah. And each, each, you know, platoon sergeant or, you know, company commander, usually, you know, company commanders, oh, this is where my assets are going to be. This is how they're moving. Right. right. Fucking Rodenbaugh is here. Okay. Well, hi, all you commanders. Like, this is where I'm going to be. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giving fucking op orders when I'm, I'm a brand new private. And I think that was incredibly beneficial because, you know, down the road when, you know, you become an NCO and you're yeah. writing op orders, you're doing all this different stuff. I'm like, I kind of know what I'm doing a little bit. You yeah. Know? But the first time you got to address some O five as a as an E three, you're like, yeah, fuck, <laughs> that can't be yeah. fun. At least there's not high expectations for me. <laughs> no, uh, if you get the right O five, I I ran into like all the wrong O fives, and every time I had to brief them. So, so you finish up in two thousand three. You're back with two three five, uh, and then I didn't actually. I um... oh, you didn't. I, I went to jump school. yeah I went to jump school after uh, oh, you sniper did? school oh, so okay. I uh, yeah I graduated sniper school and my uh, my platoon sergeant told me he's like hey the second you graduate give me a call and let's see if we can keep you at Benning to see if we can get another school either get you into ranger school um, since wow. you're already slotted to go or get you into jump school let's let's see if if you while you're down there we can get you into something so I call him and he's like I don't have anything for you right now and he's like the problem is is now. I think my my PRP certificate, my pre ranger cert, was too out of date for me to go to stay there for ranger oh, school. So yeah. I, I can redo my pre ranger. Yeah. So my platoon sergeant's like, "Hey, why don't you just take some leave?" And I'm like, "All right." So I put in some leave paperwork for me. I went back home. So I it's getting close to the end of my leave, and I'm like, I give him a call. I'm like, "Hey, bro, you got? Uh, am I coming back to unit? Am I going yeah. back? To what am I doing?" He's like, "Just just stay in a holding pattern." I'm like. Bro, I don't, I don't even have leave orders. Like you just put it in for me, supposedly, right? Right, right. Just, just stay home for a little bit. I'll, I'll sort it out. I'm like, all right. And mind you, he's been my platoon sergeant for a while now. He actually, uh, he was my team leader, and then he became my platoon sergeant. Um, uh, for my, for that platoon. So I mean, known him for a while, mentored me a lot, and um, 
in my uh in my career uh so he's like just hang out and i'm like all right so i end up with like i think a month maybe over a month of fucking leave just hanging out at home like or you nobody know, has that much leave that early I in their love, career right so anyways <laughs> like go to go fucking go report to jump school so i go to airborne school walk in sign in and uh you know day one they're like trying to get my paperwork sorted out and they're like, we don't have a slot for you. I know you have a piece of paper here that was faxed to you from Toonsar, but you don't <laughs> actually have a slot here. And so they, they put me in holdover at Airborne School. Uh, and then they just, I just kind of tripped and fell into the next rotation. Um, they didn't let me into the one I showed up to, but I just yeah. kind of, I just kept showing up and ended up. In, <laughs> and so then I'm fucking... I get to airborne school, which I'm not going to lie. I hated that fucking school. That school really? can yeah, fuck that place. That was, <laughs> and my, the other thing is I just left sniper school and they fucking treat you rough in sniper school. I've never held a goddamn rifle over my head for oh, more hours yeah. Yeah. and days. The, the, the NCOIC, uh, the, the sergeant in charge of uh, sniper school at the time, he used to put George Jones choices, that oh. song. Yeah. on fucking repeat and we would just stand there and you would like i'll just say talk to us i mean arms locked uh, out You're only allowed to zero your rifle once okay unless yeah. catastrophic failure happens you set your zero when you show up and you got to hold that zero if it falls off you're adjusting your dope right oh, so damn. Yeah. don't drop your rifle so you just right. hold that listen to george jones choices on repeat every night. So when you got done with training, every fucking night you're holding that rifle. You know, and it, he, they would always fucking use like, you know, you have like off the shooting line and they'd be, you know, you got to place all your brass and all that. They would yeah. find some fucking rusty old piece of crap that, that they probably just put their casing, be like, oh, you didn't clean up. I'm like, that is not from us, but okay, yeah. we're going to hold the rifle tonight because we were already going to, you know, we did it every night and right, no right. George Jones, fucking torturous. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So yeah, so, jump school can't hold a candle, but, yet, but they try. School, they think they can. Yeah, as I get to jump school, and like, I mean, we didn't even shave. We didn't get haircuts. We wore whatever the fuck we wanted to in our sniper school. We were there with right. a focus on getting better at this job, right? Yeah. yeah. We ran pretty loose, right? Um, I get to airborne school, and like, I go in the chow hall, and it was I was like back in basic where you can only go fucking clockwise, right? Right. I, Fucking, this is stupid. This is this is not basic, guys. I know. But uh, just no, man, no talking while you're eating. Yeah, yeah, I got you. yeah, yeah. I was not. Yeah, I just didn't enjoy it. Um, and I also am scared deathly of heights. I fucking hate heights. Really? I don't like being in a. I don't like being in a tall building. Like if you're on the third story and you got a balcony like apartment, I don't yeah. even like going out on. Them. I do not like being up in the air. My feet need to be on the ground. Did I like it anyway. Was Tower Week the worst for you then? Um, I did not actually go off the tower thing, but I did yeah. the swing, jump off into the gravel pit. I mean, because that's where you can see the ground. And you're like, fuck, I've, you know, I this just get sucks. hurt here, right? Yeah. It all sucked. It all sucked. But I, you know what I did figure out right away is, um, you know, when you're going out the door, you just go. Because I yeah. watched some people get kicked out. There was this. I got There was this. Okay. <laughs> there's this little i was number two out the door for one of my jumps and in my stick lane uh there was this little tiny red-haired girl that was like in between college and going to ocs you know when yeah, i send them to us yeah. sometimes right so she's 
fucking 21, 22 year old, little five foot, hundred pound thing. And she froze on the door. Oh no. Shit out of her. And she went out like a fucking, you know, (laughs) shoot up bag of dicks. And I was like, that didn't happen to me. So I fucking, I turned the corner and I fucking burnt right out. You know, I never messed around. Right. And then got to the ground as quick as possible. So I was in the Um, door on my first jump. And when uh, the light hit and he sound off, I I jumped as hard as I could, or so I thought. And I got down and I was talking to my buddies. I was like, did I look good? And he's like, he had his foot on your ass the whole time. And but you got so much, you know, I didn't know he had his foot on my ass. But he was like, uh, I think I talked to him. He goes, first guy cannot stop, stop in the door. So I was making sure you were going out. And I was so, defl- <laughs> I was so deflated. I was like, oh, I thought it was me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was super cool to get my wings, but I did not enjoy that school. I mean, I enjoyed the party factor because airborne school is like the most gentleman course in the world. They barely smoke you. Yeah, um, right, right, right. You know, it's not physically demanding. You you wake up in the morning, you do a half-ass PT. Like, you know, you do your day of jumping and falling on the ground yeah. um, and stupidity. And then you're off and you go and drink. you're off, and yeah. 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 So it's it's uh, that aspect. I mean, I can't complain about that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, All so right. I finished up jump school, um, and, um, uh, I, uh, I'm at the, um, we talked about this last time. It's funny. I, I'm, I hit the, uh, I hit LAX. Right. And, um, I mean, mind you, I've been gone for a while now, fuck, right? like four months, five months, four or five months at this point between this extended leave and holdover for airborne and yeah. airborne school sniper school, all this stuff. Like, I mean, I was gone for a while. I had half a deployment underneath my belt. So I'm at LAX <laughs> and I open up my phone. I got fucking text messages blowing up and voicemails. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And a bunch of it's my platoon sergeant's wife. And I'm like, listening to these voicemails. And she's like, hey, the whole fucking time you've been gone, my husband's been boning your wife. And I'm like, oh, shit. what the fuck? <laughs> like, so I get home. Really? And- of course, you know. Now, what, now wait a minute. You get that in L.A. You still got a three, four hour flight to Hawaii to sit and stew <laughs> with that, right? Sit and stew a little bit. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you know, everybody involved swears up and down at that time, swore up and down like, oh, that didn't happen. Oh, it didn't happen. And then you know, later down the road, things were admitted. But, you know, Jeez. so I go back and fucking, you know. And this very- was the mentor, right? Yeah, this dude, like, literally, like, basically, my the first leadership immediately event individual, my team leader who turned into my platoon sergeant, yeah. like, my boy, you know, um, who was supposed to be, like, taking care of my shit while I was gone, which he was legitimately taking care of. Maybe he had a different interpretation of taking care of it. <laughs> right? God. So, very quickly, I, you know, changed some bank accounts and filed for fucking divorce and uh she came home and there's paperwork out like here's your flights here's your shit i'll see you later nice nice. you know what was great about that is when i first got there i mean i was only she was only in hawaii with me for a very short amount of time you know a year or so yeah um i and half of of that you weren't even there oh more than half i wasn't there (laughs) so you know probably part of the problem but yeah uh, maybe you know i didn't really enjoy hawaii when i first got there which sounds crazy but like it just i'm like all right it's fucking sand and water yeah and I'm on a, a floating rock. This is, right. you know, I, I didn't quite have that. I hadn't found that love for Hawaii. Fucking got single, 
found a love for Hawaii. Oh. You know, um, <laughs> I started training jiu-jitsu nonstop. Started. Oh, you uh, did. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Helson Gracie, um, actually, for for those of you who don't know, it's Hoist's older brother who actually trained Hoist for uh, the UFC. Oh wow. Um, anyway, he lives in Hawaii. Um, so I started training at his one of his one of his academies and. Um, really dove into that more and more. I started fighting for all army. Um, had you ever done it before? Yeah. I've been doing martial arts since I was like four years old. Oh, but, okay. Um, okay. I haven't specifically trained jujitsu yet. So, yeah. um, uh, I'm definitely a lifelong martial artist. Love that. Still am. Um, and so, uh, I'm sorry, I cut you that. off. You started fighting for all army. Yeah. I fought for all army. I was on the Pacific Damn. team for like four years, five years, something like that. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty I was awesome. actually, you know, I'm dating myself. The last time I fought the international tournament, all right, for the entire army, uh, was the final year of Tim Kennedy fighting in it, uh, in which, of yeah. course, he won. He was he was a fucking pro fighter fighting for IFL. Then it was shortly before he went to the UFC. Um, but yeah, Tim Tim was uh, fighting at the same international tournament. Wow! I, so. Wow! What was that yeah. held at? Uh, Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if, you know, if I'm in your unit, I'd be like, this guy's never effing here. <laughs> he's I mean, been gone at schools. Like now he's fighting all army. He's gone for all those tournaments. Uh, yeah. You know. And then they would pull me. I, I commonly would get pulled for cadre for teaching combatives courses. Oh, so shit. I would randomly do that. And then I, I like, I didn't just, go, I mean, I went to so many damn schools, like everything they could put me into when yeah. I was in sniper in my scout sniper section, like that, that section always got prioritization of, of school. Sure. So, I mean, this radio school, you know, this medical shit, go do this, go I, constantly. Um, yeah, yeah which, badges all up and down your chest. Then. Oh, I was fucking stacked. The only one I'm missing, I'm pissed off about is I still never went and got my Ranger tab, but yeah. you know, yeah, well, I can also, I, they can keep those 63, 64 days of not eating and not sleeping. I'm fine. I, I can, I, I can ride a fucking op order. I'm good. I can run a patrol <laughs> I'm over it. So, um, yeah. Well, so, what, um, and that's, uh, you know, I spent a little bit of time before I deployed, but then I, um, quickly after that went to OEF three. Um, yeah. 2004, I, I, right? Uh, yeah. So I showed up at the end of OEF two, um, and then was there through OEF three. Where'd you guys go? Uh, we started off at, in Kandahar for a short amount of time. Then we moved out to a firebase called Firebase Lagman, which was supposed to be, we were basically supposed to go do a patrol and we never left where we went to do our patrol. So it was not a built up firebase. It was oh, really? built for permanent staying. I mean, fuck, we didn't have showers there for, I think, five or six months. So what was the firebase called? Firebase Lagman. Lagman? Oh, after, named Lagman. after somebody? There a, yeah, there's a 10th Mountain soldier that was killed near there. So, what are you thinking? I mean, are you nervous? Are you excited? Uh, you finally going to get to employ maybe some was, of the stuff you've been training on? I was fucking pumped. You know, I, um, yeah. that's what we, you know, you train to do. And I felt yeah, like, right, right. There's all these units getting deployed. And I didn't realize the 25th just wasn't going to deploy for a while when I went there. So, um, you know, I spent my first few years just, learning and which I'm appreciative of because I, I I'm very happy I wasn't day one Dingleberry private Carl uh <laughs> downrange, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. And then uh yeah, so we get to Firebase Lagman and uh this day one of my firebase was the first time I got blown up. 
So we're unloading the trucks, dumping our bags. And my squad leader goes, uh, he goes, Hey, he's like the whole team. Well, most of the team was like, Hey, let's, we're here for a purpose. Let's hit as many patrols as we can. Oh, let's fucking yeah. get after if they're looking for who's, you know, hitting the door first, our team's hit, you know, our squad's hitting the door first. Right. We're, we're not fun. So Squadler comes up and he's like, Hey, here's the thing. We're supposed to be running right now, picking our tent and like our living quarters and all this, but also we could be first patrol out of the fire base. And I'm oh, like, nice. We're first patrol out. And he's like, leave your bags on the fucking ground. Don't get out of the truck basically. So yeah, yeah. we drive out of the fire base. Um, and it was about, I want to say it was a, four to six hour round trip patrol. We were dropping off some security for an SF base. Oh, okay. And halfway along the, the fucking trip, um, we're going through this gulch. We're going one direction, a van full of local nationals. We later found out were um, political candidates for the first elections. As they were passing us, a remote detonated IED, which happened to be a missile pointed upwards, um got fired it actually hit so i of course was not in the era of up armors um the only yeah. thing we had was like bolt-on shit on the side the sandbags and the bed of the 998s so the rocket actually hit directly underneath my ass where that plate was and it Damn. shot behind me so it blew up fucking killed a bunch of people in the in the van um fucked everybody up uh i got thrown out of the truck bumps bruises but i was fine um, do you think do you think they were their target was the van and you guys just happened to be there at the same time? I mean, yeah, I, I, think I guess you never get that. Half a dozen one six the other, or it yeah. was either one of us could have been the target and they just happened to get try and get two and one, you know? Right, right. Um, either way. Um, you know, again, another another moment in my career where I was thankful for is that was a real rude awakening to you're in a fucking country where like you could die. Like you could yeah. not leave the country with a heart rate fucking keep your head on a swivel. Right, um, right. And uh, um, I did for the rest of the country. I was, I was, I was on point. And um, I also, how, did, how, long did, like, how long did it take you to recover from that? From now, I mean, I, I was, I didn't do anything that one. I was busted up, but I mean, oh, bumps, yeah. bruises, scratches. And I was, oh, so, okay. I was fine. Okay. Um, I moved on to fine from that. Um, and uh, yeah, I definitely, um, <laughs> May, there was some there's plenty of jokes running around about me being a magnet because uh i seem to <laughs> find a way to be in the middle of some shit all the time how many times um, did you drive outside the wire and how many vehicles did you return with so i drove eight vehicles out of the wire and i have driven zero <laughs> into the wire so, <laughs> i mean this isn't like two or three times this isn't like maybe sometimes a vehicle came back i'm not even a fucking driver at this point i'm even going to driving school i'm a team leader yeah um you know, something would happen where like we need somebody to drive for a patrol or something. They're like, hey, Seth, you jump in real quick. Yeah, sure. Fucking boom. Or <laughs> I flip, I rolled one and I drove one through a mud hut uh, in a firefight. I overheated one and blew a motor. That's one got blown up really bad. Like, I mean, it just, wow. I, I was, don't give me military equipment. I will put it to the test. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, eight vehicles drove out. And I remember the last, we'll, we'll get to the last one uh, towards the end, but um, right. yeah, I just, uh, I, I always, I was always, you know, uh, alert and alert and trying to stay alive. Yeah, um, sure. Because it was, for me, that's what it was, you know, from the, from the get. So uh, towards the end, I, uh, or actually not towards the end, about the halfway point, um, I had, um, which is the second time I got blown up. 
we're sitting there. Uh, we're about to just do a local patrol, nothing serious. And my whole squad was fucking out. Like one of them was in Kandahar because uh, I rolled a truck and his legs somehow <laughs> got rolled over on. He shouldn't have stuck it there. But um, <laughs> so he's, laying, he's getting he's healing up in Kandahar and a couple of guys were on mid tour leave. And oh, yeah, yeah. There was like, I, I think my whole squad of nine, there was two of us or three of us. There's very few. So like, Hey, you driving. I'm like, Hey, I've driven seven vehicles out of this fucking wire. Have we not realized it is not a good idea for me to be behind the wheel? Sure enough. <laughs> I drive this fucking truck 50 meters outside of the front gates of the fire base and got blown up 50 meters in front of the fucking fire base. Catastrophically bad. Oh. Nobody died, but, uh, the guy next to me was um, a good friend of mine, um, and he was very, very injured. Um, oh yeah! Somehow he continued his career, but after tons of rehabilitation, tons yeah. of surgeries, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, very long, painful struggle for him. Um, and I was pretty busted up too. Um, and again, I whenever I share this story, I always pre-warn people. I have my version. There's the truthful version which I don't really know what is. And then I have what all my buddies kind of told me about because oh. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little concussed just at least. So I came to, and this part I know is true because my buddy verifies it. I was upside down hanging out of the, um, out of the 998 by my rigger belt. So, oh, you know, I get out, I grab my M4. I, I swear I can remember this clear as day. I see a fucking dude you know, man dress, Haji, sorry if I offended somebody. Actually, I'm not. But um, I see him. I take off after him. I'm fucking laying rounds down range, put him down, sling my weapon. I come back. I'm trying to give medical aid to my buddy that's really fucked up, who's in like a crater. Oh, um, geez. It was, double, it was a double stacked um, anti-tank mine. So, I mean, Jeez. what that does to a 998 and what that does to yeah. a crater in the road is pretty, pretty significant. So... What really happened is I came on, I came to consciousness, got off the truck and I was going in and out of consciousness, running around like an idiot, completely fell in the hole on top of my buddy who's busted up. Fucking I'm a shit show. Um, and again, I said, I was laying rounds downrange going after somebody in my mind. I still can remember this. Really? But when they looked at my M4, my upper and lower receiver had been peeled open in the internals oh, of my M4. It was very far from functioning um so um they they air evac me out to kandahar yeah. um and uh you know i was able to walk highly concussed yeah um yeah. was having vision issues from you know head to toe i was i was in a lot of pain but i had no need to be laying in a fucking hospital bed so i kept like taking off so i'd be like oh, i'm going to the bathroom you know and fucking I'm out. Like I'm like trying to get out and trying to get back to a tent, trying to go back and get fucking clothes because I'm in a, a gown. They'd cut everything off. Yeah, of me. Right. So um, oh, anyway, they finally, my, I, I said earlier that one of my soldiers was there recovering from a knee injury, but he was in a tent on his own. He wasn't in the hospital, but he kept coming and hanging out with me during the day. Yeah. So they finally took the hand receipt, wrote my social on it. And hand receipted me to him as a sensitive item. So like he's <laughs> running around. We're going to hand receipt him. He is your responsibility. We'll address you guys later. Come check in like twice. Wow. We had to go check in like twice a day. So uh, my commander <laughs> called me in and uh, 
um, while I was recovering. He's, he's like, hey, you're due for your mid-tour leave. Why don't you take your mid-tour leave now? I'm going to extend it. I'm going to give you like an extra week. So rather than your two weeks, take an extra yeah. week, uh, recover a little bit. You need to get medically cleared before you come back. Oh, like, yeah. Cool. No big deal. So I take my leave. And at the time, my mom was actually going through med school. So I went down to her university. They did a bunch. Of, they, they checked me out head to toe, like not not army hospital care, not VA hospital care. I was, get, you know, got checked out very, very well uh, and was told very clearly there's no way I would get cleared for fucking anything, much less goddamn go to combat. combat. So, um, you know, I had a fractured vertebrae, had ah. all sorts of you know, torn. I was yeah. still having severe uh, eyesight issues um, or vision issues. Um, I could sometimes see there, there were times where like everything down the middle was like fuzzy black and I had peripheral and sometimes oh, I could, shit. I was, I was having some pretty bad vision issues. So I decided it would be in, it would behoove me not oh. to go get cleared because I wouldn't get cleared. Um, so I just went back. Uh, I just went back down range. Um <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, I, I get to Kandahar, get the first bird I can to get to my fire base, you know, um, heading to my hooch, start unpacking stuff. It's got a lot of dust on it. Um, and before I could even come close to being unpacked and ready to go, I got summons down in the commander's office. So I run down there and he goes, hey, I don't know what uh, exactly you're about to go do, but uh, there's a bird on the way. Pack your shit. Uh. Um, you're going to end up at Bagram. You need to check into um, 120th Military Intelligence Lursty Special Operations Teams. Yeah, um, nice. They're going to run some sort of task force, and they need snipers. And I was like, "All right, cool." I'm back out of the fucking line infantry because I had just moved to the the line infantry because I needed line time for promotions. Right, right. right. Um, I wasn't a fan of being on the line, so I was pumped. I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" I get to go look through a scope. Did they again. do that once you got over there? They took you out of the scout platoon and just put you in the regular it was, company. I want to say two or three weeks before I deployed. Oh, okay. Um, there was like two of us that had spent our entire career in sniper section uh, and had never been on the line, and we were oh. both like E fives or about to be E fives. They're like, "You have to have line time," and I'm like. All right. So yeah, I basically went to a line and never been on the line. So um, they called me up. I went down to, uh, I got to Kandahar and uh, I went to like the holdover tent, just a giant tent for people like in between, you know, in between mid tour leaves or or whatever. And I walk in there and one of my sniper buddies from a different unit that I just run into at ranges and, you know, different courses and stuff. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, I don't know. I'm supposed to go to Bagram (laughs) meet. And I was like, buddy, this is going to be great. So we met with the division commander there. And he's like, here's what you guys are going to do. Go back to your old sniper sections. Um, pick out whatever the fuck you need. Yeah. And it's yours. Then head down to, or, and then find a way to Bagram. If you need, you know, assistance, come get me. But otherwise, go to the airfield, get on a flight, get to Bagram. Okay. So I got to go to my old sniper section, which was so much fun. Because <laughs> they had been doing diddly squat at that time. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, hey, uh, I need my rifle. And like, you know, and especially because it's my old tents aren't. Um, 
Oh, jeez. No, they're all, yeah. After <laughs> all, like, all this, still the same yeah, guy. After all this shit, give me my fucking, give me whatever I want out of your equipment. And I was just picking whatever I, I felt like picking up at the time, being a jerk, but I didn't care. Yeah, so um, picked up my rifle, picked up some other uh, items I, I wanted. Went to a flight line with my buddy. He did the same thing. Sit on the flight line trying to get on a flight. Like, and we're also just two dudes. We're not like senior ranking NCOs. We're not right. officers or anything. And we're like looking at the board because at the board of all the flights. Oh, and so yeah, yeah. We're in this small plane that's going from Kandahar to Bagram. So we're looking around for the pilot. We finally find these two guys that were not, I don't know what the hell they were. Now looking back and now having a little more experience, I'm fairly sure they're CIA. Oh, yeah. But yeah. they're not dressed like military, but they were military. I don't fucking know. And we're like, hey, we need a ride. And they're like, yeah, cool. Got on a fucking private <laughs> plane. Um, which is pretty like, cool. Fucking Air um, America. Yeah, his private plane that's not military and get to Bagram, link up with Lurski. And what they had done is they came up with this concept that, you know, IEDs are commonly placed the same place hmm. um, at the same time on the same day. So they were starting to find or, or realize that like on the first of every month in this intersection, there's an IED. Okay. Or in this road, you know, the first few days or the last few days of the month, there's commonly an IED there. So their plan of action was to insert a, a five-man assault team with, with one sniper, so six guys. Um, insert them, get them eyes on to that area, dial in your dope. And if you see somebody with a shovel, you get a you just automatic green light. Don't got to call the shit in. Oh, nothing. Wow. Wow. Um, and then um, a little bit of known target hunting. Um, yeah. So that, you know, here's a here's a packet. Here's some pictures. Here's your dude. This is a known oh. location. Hopefully we wow. find him. And uh, just for the mentality of don't don't plant IEDs, it was to, you know, shoot the dude with a shovel and then exfil and leave leave the motherfucker there. Yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden, uh, very quickly, it took a very short amount of time. The IED numbers uh just dropped dramatically or tremendously really? oh. tremendously yeah imagine that yeah right right anyway so i operated with them all the way until uh they were about to redeploy back to hawaii and they got to go back early you know special operations oh. guys that do all that right seat ride bullshit yeah, they don't yeah. Have to do yeah yeah so they're getting out like a little bit early and i was like I don't really want to fly back with you guys. And they're like, what the fuck? You can go back home like a month early rather than doing the month of stupid shit. They're like, you're not going to be yeah. doing patrols and doing like, you're not going to be operating. You're going to be cleaning gear. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but all my friends are back there. So yeah. um, I went back to my unit, stayed a little bit longer uh, with them, uh, redeployed, came back to Hawaii, um, started going through all the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, all the, uh, you know, we're back check them out, especially yeah. me, cause I've been, you know, blown up multiple times. And there's a bunch of other small incidents I'd had where I got busted up a little bit. So, you know, medically checking me out, mentally checking me out. And, um, this is 2005 now. Yeah. This is 2005, right? Okay. Yeah. 2005. In particular is one brigade surgeon was like, man, you're getting fucking P three. You're done. Like you, God, I can't believe you told very you. significant injuries. He's like to the point where, He's like, in the next 10 years, you're going to be in a fucking wheelchair. He's like, you, he's like, you got to realize that like, you, you have a severe injury to your, uh, your lumbar, your back, you have fractured vertebrae. I basically disintegrated two discs. Um, 
And now what, the which part, upper or lower? Uh, my L one. Ouch. So yeah, not a good spot. Not like any of them are good spots. No, definitely not a good. Spot. But yeah, that's. So he tells me all this shit, and I'm like, yeah. It's time to get the fuck out of here. So I'd already re-enlisted in country to go across the road to the new striker unit. Uh, I, from my from my understanding, is they were supposed to immediately uh, redeploy to Iraq, and I wanted to check the box to say I'd been Afghanistan yeah. and Iraq. Right, right. So, um, you know, I talked to this fucking brigade surgeon. He's about to P three me, and uh, I went straight to my recruiter's office or re-enlistment guy, and yeah. I'm like, hey, get get my orders now. And he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, you'll, you'll, will come up any minute. I'm like, no, 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 you need to prep my fucking orders and get me across the street. Um, and so that day I grabbed a couple other guys, he printed off some extra orders. They have an NCO take, you know, some, some lower enlisted every time they moved across the street. Um, yeah. But I got a few of the guys that also did the same reenlistment and I was out that day. So Damn. I thought I thought I was in the clear. I thought I was in the clear. I'm like, cool, stay in the army. I'm good to go. And I never wanted to get out. I, I had after my first couple of years, I was like, this is what I'm doing. I fucking yeah, love sure. being in the army. This is the suck factor almost made me like it more. Um, yeah. And I was making those those big bucks that you make when you're uh, <laughs> you're know, fucking enlisted army guy. I just you know I, I just loved it. Um, and plus, I was in Hawaii, like training jiu-jitsu all the time. The army was letting me letting me compete and fight for them. Um, I was doing cool guy shit in the military. Like it was, it was a blast. I had no intentions of ever getting out. I was retiring. Were you so, an E five by this time? Did you make? I was E five, uh, and I made my E six very, very. I think my, I made my E six in two thousand and six. Yeah, oh, I was. Shit. Yeah, I, I made E six in like five years or something. Like yeah, that. Or, I can't remember if I asked you this. Did you get promoted in the desert? I got promoted once. Yeah, we yeah. talked about that one where um yeah, yeah that right, was a good one. Very shortly after I uh got blown up, I had my board scheduled for my yeah. E5. Oh yeah. Country. Right. And so I walk in and I'm like, you know, so I'm major reporting for the bit the board, you know, take a seat, blah, blah, blah. I'm sitting there and across the board of fucking members, like it wasn't all the first sergeants like it's supposed to be, you know, there's like stand-ins because oh people yeah, right, the country, yeah. you know. And so in particular, there's one guy um didn't really know me and I didn't really know him. And he kept asking me questions. I couldn't fucking hear him and I couldn't understand him. Um, and he was getting very highly agitated. <laughs> and so he's like, you know, I'm getting knife hands, he's yelling at me. And one of the guys on the board tapped him like, hey. That fucking big ass IED at Lagman like a week ago, he was driving it, and he like looked up at me and was like, and they're like, he can't hear you. <laughs> oh, he's like, he's like, never, no further questions. You're good, right, like, right. You know, so I had I had a very easy board. I I maxed the board by yeah. telling a couple jokes and answering a couple <laughs> fucking sports fucking questions. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not much board. Um. But yeah, so I, I made it E5 in country. I made E6 right after I got back. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> yeah, so. Uh, so you go unit, from 235 to what? Uh, 127. A 127. Okay. Yep. So I was with the Wolfhounds. Um, very, very fucking proud of that. Um, you know, it's a, the Wolfhound units of, um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, they have more like uh, unit citations than like any other unit in the Army. I think um, so. I've heard that before. I, 
Yeah. Uh, I might have it off a little bit, but something like that. I mean, they're fucking, they've done some cool shit. So, um, um, yeah, I spent the rest of my career with one, two, seven Wolfhounds. Um, and then when I got there, like we were talking about earlier about that net training, uh, when you switch yeah. over to when you switch to strikers, something like that, they switched to strikers, the new equipment training, yeah. which meant we were not going to redeploy to Iraq immediately. Yeah. We were going to do three years of net training. And I'm like, shit, I wanted to go back down range. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we do, we do that. We knock out that time. And at this point it's 2008. Um, we are about to uh, deploy to Iraq, and uh, I start going through all the pre-deployment, yeah, green testing, making sure your dental is you're in the green at dental, <laughs> right, you know, right. that stupid stuff. So I'm going through all this, um, and I happen to bump into this fucking medical clearance with this brigade surgeon who I was deathly scared of ever seeing again in my life. Yeah, yeah. I ran into him and he stamped a fucking P3 profile and initiated my uh, medical retirement. This was the same guy? Same fucking guy. Oh, man. And you got it. He caught you in the deployment line? God damn. He, he saw me. He's like, what are you still doing in the Army? And I was like, uh. no, I was being in the Army. And like, at this yeah. point, you know, I, I not only I, been, I still been in like, you know, I was fucking staff sergeant at that point. Um, right, right. You know, looking at deploying in the next month or two, whatever. God it was that dang, time. man. Instead, he fucking P3'd me and I like, I thought I was going to cry. Like, I was so upset. Like, yeah, it just like I had, I had my career mapped out, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. I mean, fucking either go down range and fucking die. Didn't give a shit. Like, <laughs> you know end up going to Q course and going to SF. No, no fucks known except for I was going to be in the army until I retired. Right. Okay? Right, right. I've been that crusty old guy at 20 years where they're like, you know, if you, if you commit to a few more, you'll make E E nine or something like that. I've been like, I'll commit to 10 more. I don't care. You know, like right. I, really, I really felt that way about the army um, and being part of it. Um, so yeah, I, I uh, very, very. I can't, I'm surprised that they jumped straight to P3 and didn't go. Well, let's try rehab. Let's try, you know, that whole process before they I get did, to P3. I did a lot of that process when I first got back yeah. from country, and um, it was very clear that there were there's only so much rehab they can do for oh, yeah. an unrepairable fractured fucking spine, you know. So. <laughs> Um, right, right. and here's the thing I wasn't a sick hall and I wasn't fucking on profile that whole time. Yeah, I was still doing the job. Right. I don't think I was on profile once. I mean, I might have been put on it, but I didn't. I went straight to the trash anyway. So I, I go up to my first sergeant's office and uh, I set this fucking piece of shit P3 down in front of him, um, <laughs> saying that they're you know, I'm medically being let go of the army. And he's like, Well, this kind of sucks. And I'm like, Yeah, like. <laughs> really sucks. Yeah, like I've right. being here forever, you know, or being in forever. And he's like, well, you know, like I have a way for you to stay in longer. I'm like, Oh, what are we going to do? Let's, 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 let's shred some paperwork. What's yeah. how are we going to spend his life? Here's what, here's what I need you to do for me. I'm like, what that, what's that? And he's like, I need you to be my rear detachment commander. And I was Why like, they go to Iraq. Yeah. And I was oh, like, oh, hold on. Shit. I'm like, no, 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 wait, this is absolutely not. You want me to go sit in an office and do formations with a bunch of turds, basically. <laughs> and uh, he's like, yeah, but it'll buy you another year of the army. He's like, yeah. I can legitimately get, find a way to buy you another year. Yeah. You're not going to be doing what you want, but you get another year. So yeah. I said, okay. And I was like, whatever the fucking army needs of me, I guess. This is not what I want, but right, right. 
Uh, at least I got a year to figure some stuff out. So yeah, uh, redetachment commander for uh, while they were gone, had anywhere between 100, 115 soldiers underneath me that were med boards, Article 15s, getting kicked out of the army, um, replacement nice. soldiers to go down. I mean, just a mass of fucking shitheads. Yeah. Uh, what, they stick that, a lieutenant with you or were you all by yourself? No, there was um, there was an office where I think we had four E6s and one E7, and we just yeah. com- convened in the same office, um, and we each had our groups. Yeah. And we had the division, you know, support, brigade oh. support, but they weren't even with us. We didn't, we didn't see them. Right, unless right. Which I definitely, as a rear detachment fan, commander, found a way to end up in the division sergeant major's office a couple times. But uh, <laughs> I'm not a garrison soldier, and I'm definitely not supposed to be left alone. Would at at this point would expect nothing less of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was standing there pretty dressed a couple times, like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I'm like, "You stuck me in an office." So, <laughs> yeah. So I uh, ended up uh, getting medically retired, and then uh, went back to Colorado. Wow. Wow. So throughout all that whole thing, what uh what was the event that made you the most proud? Um I think it's it's the ability when people uh find out I was in the military, I'm like, what do you do in the what do you do in the military? I'm like, well, I'm a retired army sniper. Like that's yeah. some cool shit to be able to say. Yeah. So I think um, you know, getting through sniper school, um, and being able to live life as a sniper um, for yeah, a while—that's pretty good uh, label to have. Was there yeah. was there a period of time I didn't ask you when we were talking about it? Was there a period of time during the school that you thought, "Hey, I might not make it through this school"? Probably trying to think about um, how often it was, but I think it was approximately every other minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, because here's the thing: I mean. 44 started. I think it was like yeah. we, were, we were in day three. So they had made it through 48 hours and we were down to 32. Um, yeah, I was going to say every day or every other day, whatever it is, you see another guy's name tag, right? Or whatever. Or yes, name tape. Or unlike whatever. a lot of schools in the military. So, you know, in Ranger School, you you expect to recycle one of the phases, right? It seems like that. Unless you get peered out, right? Or something. Yeah. yeah or, you know, like for the most part, you're recycling. Yeah. Okay, it's going and you 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 have, you roll an ankle, you're recycling that phase. Right. Not a big deal. Most people recycle. There's no recycling sniper school and there's no phases. So oh, once you failed, you sometimes, depending on who you are, um, are invited to continue the training so that you can go back to your unit with you know more knowledge. Yeah. But you're not recycling. That's it, you're out. Yeah. So either you go yeah. home or Depending, I mean, depending on how you failed out and how you acted as a as a soldier is if you get to stay for the training. So um, I was constantly worried about that. Sure. You know, like it, and the every moment in that it was a challenging school. I mean, right. they don't have right. that drop off rate. It's easy. So yeah, I was worried all the time. Like, fuck, I'm doing target detection. If I miss something, like fuck, like it could yeah. because you fail one one event. You're out. You have to pass all of them. You can't like be like, oh, sure. it's not a, it's not a. Let's get seventy percent. It's you will, you will pass um, every single event. You know. So uh, I was, I was worried honestly the whole time. That uh, I mean, to get your attention, 
It's like, yeah, I could be dropped. And then making it through that, I can see why you chose that as your proudest moment. That's that's yeah, nobody I can take that, that away from you. Uh, getting pinned, my my Purple Heart was pretty fucking cool. Um, I got pinned by um, uh, Lieutenant Colonel McBride, who um, wasn't just my battalion commander at the time. He was also my friend. Uh, he was another distance runner. Oh, yeah. Commonly, uh, his office was right over this, the right on the corner, the same corner where like my sniper section was. Yeah. And so I'd be walking in for PT and I'd randomly bump into him and be like, are we going for a run or do I got to go run with these guys? <laughs> and like, we would commonly like, uh, we'd take off and go do a 15 mile run at a, at a not so gentle pace together, you know? So we were buddies. And so, um, and he pinned it on me at my fire base with my guys. Ah, so that's good. Yeah. Um, that's nice. That was cool. You that's know? nice. Um, Okay, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, Zenith Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, so that's what I'm, I mean, I guess I wear a lot of hats now, but um, um, real quick, I, I, kind of, I, I kind of just want to briefly talk about the transition from uh, military to civilianhood. Oh, yeah, sure. It was not easy for me, to be honest. Um, yeah. No fucking intention of being a civilian at that time. Uh, didn't want to be. Um, fucking hated it. Like just, this was not where, this was not my path. Really? I, I felt like I was on somebody else's path. Yeah. Um, and uh, I kept seeing so many of my fellow veteran friends that had gotten out that are fat, schlep, drunk, fucking the furthest thing. Like in one day they went from being this person to, I don't even know who this person is. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, um, I decided that since I enjoy the military life so much, I should take some of the things out of it uh, and keep them. So, okay. um, and I also didn't want to end up in a fucking wheelchair. So I kept training okay. jujitsu. Okay. I kept working out every day. Uh, I went into the gym industry. Uh, um, I, I still wake up at five fucking AM. Uh, right. I still get up and make my bed. I still, um, you know, look at my lifestyle and my way of, way of life is very much as if I'm still in the army. You and know, you still like, fall asleep in like five minutes? Oh my God. It is I my head touches the pillow. I'm, yeah, I'm done. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. Uh, I did struggle with sleep for a while, but um now I've now it's a little different. I think that's partially age too, but yeah. you know, yeah. sleep when you can. Um, but okay. uh yeah, and jujitsu was a big, big, big part of my transition. Um I was logging hours and days um on the mats and helping out other veterans. Um helping out uh kids programs and uh victims uh and things like that and teaching yeah. them tons of events. I started working a lot with law enforcement for um you know arrest procedural stuff. Oh wow um, very cool and disarming and and so I started feeling like I had a lot of that same value and need yeah. Yeah. community as the value and need um from being in the military, you know, and I think that that helped a ton is I didn't quit being a fucking soldier because I yeah. got out. Yeah. I didn't quit being. I didn't. I didn't lose my uh, way of life and my discipline. I, I I kept going, and um, I'm thankful I did because otherwise I might be in a fucking wheelchair right. and all worse. Yeah, fucking all worse. Bitching about, bitching about my country, you know, doing the wrong things politically or something like that. You know, and that's just not where I wanted to end up. So, um, yeah, I I kept living the jitsu life. Bought into or uh, partnered uh, a huge ten thousand square foot training facility downtown Denver for a while. Um, they say don't go in business with family. Um, 
don't ever go in business with family. <laughs> Fucking terrible idea. But um, so I, I got done. I was like, man, I will never have a business partner again in my fucking life. Went out of the industry, not completely. I still coach a little bit here and there, and I still training. And um, I started dropping into this academy in Parker uh, here and there. I knew the, I knew the founder and owner a oh. um, little bit, so I was dropping in. And, um, I showed up one day, and it was almost depressing. <laughs> I walked in and the founder and owner is sitting there teaching noon class and he looked like he hadn't slept in weeks. I can tell he was ran down. Yeah. There was, um, um, there was only a couple students on the mat and, uh, he's like, man, I'm so fucking exhausted. I am teaching a hundred percent of the classes and he has a full-time oh. corporate job. Jeez. He had, uh, he had to fire an instructor and it, it just some things went south and he was just not in a good place. He's like, will you please help me out? And I was like, yeah, bro, go fucking home and get some sleep, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I started teaching and he was talking to me one time. We were having pizza one time and he's, uh, he goes, yeah, you know, I've, I've flirted with selling the Academy before. And I was like, before you do it, talk to me. Oh. I'm not saying I want to buy it. I'm just saying before you do it, uh, let me talk to you. And, um, we sat down one day to talk about it uh, after I'd been teaching there for a while. And I, I had to, I had to do some deep soul searching on, on, on it because, you know, I'd had a bad experience partnering yeah. and um, yeah, absolutely. owning a gym, but I also had a lot of, a lot of faith and love and respect for my, uh, for my buddy. And I, I was, I was talking to him. I was like, man, this is, this has been a big part of your life. And he has a son also. He's uh, now 13. Amazing kid. I'm buddies with him too. He he works on my ranch during the summer. Oh, so yeah. Good kid. Um, I was like, you built this academy. And I was like, you've had it for over a decade now. I was like, I'll buy it. But I won't really? buy in and you go out. I was like, I'll only do it if you, you stay, you know, yeah. as a founder yeah. and my partner. I was like, because your son's going to want this. It's just like my son's going to want this. I was like, and I was like, I don't want you to live you know, to wake up three years from now and regret not still being part of it. So I was like, I'll head coach it. I'll run it. I will fucking all day in, day out, you know, deal with the instructors. Now I, I will, I will, I will take on a lot of the Academy. Huh. You take some back end out some and let's, let's do this and let's have fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was two years ago. The Academy's doing better than it's ever done before. We have an amazing staff. Nice. Uh, we have an amazing culture inside of our academy, a ton of veterans, active duty, law enforcement, firefighters, first responders. Um, uh, not only that, uh, we've got a great kids program. You know, I get to do the same things I've been doing for a long time, which is, you know, uh, seeking out to help out victims um, from, yeah. you know, physical attacks or abuse or things like that. Help out kids who are getting bullied, uh, consistently work with all, all my law enforcement guys in there, helping them be more eff effective on the street and more safe. Um, you know, I care a lot about their safety as well as the guys that they're arresting, you know, yeah. um, that's yeah. a big issue we have right now in society. And then my way of dealing with it is giving help in an area, which I, I, I know a little bit about. So, sure. um, yeah, so yeah, I live the jitsu life, run a, run a ranch, uh, parent, my, my midget terrorist, uh, spend time as much time as I can in my life. And, <laughs> That's pretty much my story now. Staff Sergeant Seth Rodenbaugh, owner, co-owner of Zenith Jiu-Jitsu in Parker, Colorado. Yes, sir. Thanks for uh, taking the time again. 
<laughs> I see, still see it recording up here. Uh, so I think we're good. But, man, it's been an honor. It's been a privilege to get your story, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you're doing on the show and continue to help out the veteran community. And for those of you listening, you can catch Seth on From the Ashes Radio with Rob Williams every Monday at 6 o'clock Mountain Time. Yes, sir. Thanks, Seth. Thank you, sir. On behalf of Staff Sergeant Rodenbaugh, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service origin stories. So until next time, our tag food!